Welcome to the Legend of the Death Race podcast. I'm your host, Tony Matisse, and every week we share legends from past death racers on the courage, power, and wisdom it takes to conquer life's obstacles. All of us death racers aspire to inspire you to create a life past your limits. Today's follows the story of death racer Jason Jixetic. Jason is the original barn beast. He grew up uh, for a period of time in the early days of Spartan in a barn, and people knew him as the barn beast, and he was just doing savage workouts, creating the workout of the day, um, creating a lot of the lifestyle branding that you've seen today now with Spartan, and uh, he's an Ironman triathlete, and he's an incredible human. Here he is talking to us today about his legend of the death race. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Tony. How are you? Pleasure to be here. Doing great, doing great. So glad to have you, uh, and excited to hear your story. So why don't we just jump in and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what your occupation is right now? I am from North Jersey, Tony. I am a Jersey, Jerseyan, um, from North Jersey, and um, currently into digital marketing for biotech. Uh, blood testing, DNA testing, kind of aspect of health and wellness. That's right. You're at Inside Tracker, and it's you know that's actually what you guys do is pretty incredible. They didn't give a little brief uh, synopsis, but uh, you offer blood testing, uh, tracking different biometrics, different biomarkers, and giving people access to the information they need to make the right choices and how they actually prepare themselves for races, right? To eat what, what they're putting in their bodies and, and how they're, how much they're working out, except you guys can kind of track that with the biomarkers and give them better data to make better choices. Is that kind of a good, good explanation? That's a fantastic explanation of uh, what inside tracker is doing right now. Um, you know, I'll elaborate a little bit kind of working at that point where wearable technology and DNA testing and blood testing all collide into um, you know, essentially uh, quantitative, you know, um, data. Uh, you, you get, you get like soft AI, you get a, you get a system of suggestions based upon algorithms built off of your blood and your DNA. It's like, it's exciting stuff and a little geeky, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's definitely the future of uh, athletics. And I know I'm excited to see where, where you guys take this. Um, and so what, what about your athletic background? What was that like a little bit um, prior to triathlons, prior to everything else? Um, so, you know, I, I came from, I came from a school of, of sport that was very recreational and at nature and i was a kid that rode the bench a lot uh but i was i was involved in baseball and football and soccer um i i like to be active but i i never was quite skilled at court or coordinated would be the right word for for the finer details of of games that have moving objects okay and then um so so now how old were you when you decided to go and do the death race and how old are you now yeah so we're talking about um let's say let's say 10 so it was 2010 2011 2011 the year i did death race so i was about 27 i was 28 and right now i'm 38 so this was about 10 years ago right on right on and how did you discover this thing called the death race um so my uh my introduction to the death race came from googling it because i had bumped into joe DeSena via uh finding his passport on a plane and that's, that's I, uh, yeah, yeah yeah no i i was um i was just I had done my triathlon kick and, and, and it just kind of burnt out and was recharging. And I, I went to Africa. I had a great couple weeks uh, backpacking there in, in South Africa and Swaziland. And on the way back, I find a passport on the plane from this dude named Joe DeSena. And I Googled him and the death race came up and, kill, and Pittsfield came up. And I reached out to him and uh, with the idea of, oh, hey, yeah, you, you got this thing you know death race interesting 
Yeah. And, uh, where, and where did that where did that go? Yeah, that went in, that went into me moving into the barn on his property. I I, I rolled on up to visit him um, one weekend and 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 went to you know he, he Joe was like, hey, I'm starting this thing Spartan. It's kind of like Iron Man, you know, in, in a lot of ways, and that it's a sport, but it's 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 an endurance sport, but it's a little different. And I just was hooked at, um, on his on his pitch. And I guess at that time, his vision, 2000, 2011, that's the vision of what it was supposed to be. And the Death Race was a part of that. Death Race was like the weird punk rock version of that, um, that I've, I immediately didn't know if it was for me or not. It, it was it was but it was it was part of that entire universe that was 2011 Pittsfield. Yeah. And so. Which, did you end up competing in that 2011 death race then, or when did you compete? I competed in 2011. So, yeah. so right when I moved, I moved to Pittsfield in, in, at the end of 2010, right? Right in 2011, that winter, I did 100. I, I was like, that was my year to do 100-mile snowshoe, 100-mile run, the death race, and the, the warm, and I wanted to do all the peak races. Right. You know, really, peak. I, I saw peak races you know, I ended up working and having a career with Spartan, but but really in my brain, I was I was like 50 percent peak. You know, I yeah. understood that. I understood peak as its own uh, line in this arena of endurance event, it, standing for its own thing, had its own rules or lack thereof. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> lack thereof is a good way to put it. And so um, what was the why that you wanted to do all these events, um, including the death race that year? Was there a why that was driving you? Yeah, yeah. My my uh, my life. I was really interested in endurance sports. You know, for for a why of 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 you know, kind of just self reliance. The the why of 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 demonstrating to yourself um, certain physical capacities that you have, and not just that you have. You learn that you have them, and then you then you refine your ability with them to be able to do things and. Uh, you know, that led me into Ironman and triathlon to try to do something. And, um, that got a little, I kind of burned out from that world and I, and I wanted to do more, you know, trails, right? You get, you get burned out of, of, of road running, you start running trails, you know, you get tired of road racing on a bike, you start doing some mountain biking, you start to, you start to do that. And I, and and when you start to get a little burnt out of, of running sprint distance, you start you start slowing down and doing ultra. Yeah. And so and that, that that collides right around when you're turning thirty in my mind, and that's where it was for me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's happened for quite a few of us. Is right around that thirty mark. It's like, okay, how do I go further, and what what's next? And so uh, living in the barn. I think you had a really unique training experience up there in Vermont and, and you know, I've read briefly about it in the Spartan up and stuff. And, but like, and we've obviously had conversations on our own, but what was the training like for the audience that, you know, living at Pittsfield, Vermont, the home of the death race and then training in Pittsfield, Vermont, the home of the death race, like where it all is. I mean, you're there amongst these people who are like high motivators and high workers, Joe, Andy, everyone. And you're just, you're in the thick of it training. What's that like? Yeah. Yeah. So that was right. That was a period where, you know, I was very isolated at that point. I was living in the barn and there wasn't, you know, a lot of groups of people there at that point. <laughs> I was just, it was me and Matt Batts, the trail guy. And, uh, Training was Joe gave me a lot of guidance in and to help this at that point I was a, kind of a scrawny triathlete, you know yeah. I didn't have an, I didn't have much meat on my bones, uh, and and Joe was trying to help me realize that um, and that I needed to just kind of bulk up uh, if I was going to survive, and right. so there was plenty of farm chores and you you got I got ready by doing it I didn't quite understand the the uh, the demands that it would be put on me in ways that were not traditional endurance. I was of the mindset of, you know, Oh, look at me. I can swim, I can bike and I can run in this kind of event that has rules and it's a race point A point B. Uh, 
And at that point, my impressions of the death race were that it was a race. I, I would say the, you know, I looked at previous winners. I looked at, I looked at to see, I was always interested where I was in position. I think at that point, the cat wasn't so out of the bag that, that, you know, it wasn't as postmodern as it, as it became eventually, or at least right. you know, like maybe I was naive, you know, I wasn't woke to the situation. That's for sure. It was a race. Well, yeah. Race. Yeah. I think a lot of us uh, kind of thought it was a race, but got our eyes open to quite a bit. Once we actually <laughs> realized and were there, it's like, Oh, this is, this is not a race at all. But I, I understand that sentiment. Cause I think even, I mean, even in my last year, I still, thought it was a race. I still thought that I was competing to, to an extent, right? Um, which you are, but it's just so different. Oh, it's, not, you, it's not A and B. It's not, you're not going from destination right. to destination B. There's so many variables. And I, and I, br- I brought, I brought that up because of my training. Well, what was it like? You know, I would, I would try to, I would try to do something that was death, death race, like, which was I, I dragged a tire up to the top of the mountain, and when when it was when it was snowy, I would do it in snowshoes and just just drag tires up and down all day, and carry carry firewood in my backpack. That was kind of the regiment that was given to to carry two to four logs. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, the goal was to have a nice bonfire on top of Joe's Mountain one day, and to to, to just carry logs to the top and that was that was pretty much it and that was so frustrating for me having yeah. come from a kind of a trash and a traditional and 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 it involved me figuring out how to not die when when it was a very snowy year that year and so mm-hmm. there, was a, there was there was very when i when i first moved into the barn i wasn't aware that there were fences around that property because when i moved in there was that much snow oh yeah and so that was my introduction to this. Jer- I was a Jersey Jersey guy who really liked camping, who really liked the woods. You know, where I was very kind of. I've read a lot of thorough. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, I was, I you know, I was like the, uh, <clears throat> you know, with like people started wearing flannel. I, I moved to Vermont. It was right around that period. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right when all the hipsters were starting to come out and you were like, I'm just going to go live in a barn. <laughs> I, was gonna go, I, I, I felt the zeitgeist was heading that way. And I, I guess, you know, I wanted to just do it legit when it was an opportunity. Joe gave me the opportunity to go live in a barn. And at that period, transitioning into Spartan was just starting. It was a new career for me. I was just getting into digital marketing. And there's this crazy event, and I and I, I remember it was Joe and Andy in town, and they were up to their shenanigans all the time. But I was very careful because I had this like sense of honor that I brought to all things, where I was like, you know, don't tell me what's coming up for the death race this year because I need to be neutral. I need yeah. to be, I need, and I observed that very carefully. I went into the race without any knowledge, even though I had been uh, living in town. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty honorable uh, just to do that. So, you know, uh, going into this event, um, a lot of people, you know, don't know what to expect. And it sounds like you were able to maintain that where you, you didn't know what to expect, which is which is awesome because you still get like the normal experience. And so with that, I mean, did you have any fears going into it? Was there anything you were scared of that they might do? Um. <clears throat> Or have you do? Cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know to what degree I'd be cold and for how long. Yeah. And and that 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 had me worried. I don't like to be cold. No one likes to be cold. Yeah, I but. feel like I, the cold is the one thing I don't. I haven't done the winter death race, you know, because I was like, eh, I don't like the cold. I'm not doing that. It's just I, I'm with you on that one. Um, okay, so let's like go into your race. What was your race like? Can you paint me a story? Yeah, yeah. So, so step one was, you know, you had the pre-race, you had to show up, like most years, you had to show up with something and you had to do something to begin. And you had to get your press article mm-hmm. or, or you had to carry a hay bale from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain, or you had to shave off all the hair on your body. <laughs> and I was the one person who chose three. Um, because I, I 
that has to do with a couple things, I guess. One is I just I hate to do, I I hate to to have to do planned work. I, I wait till last minute, and I, I hated the idea of getting a press article about me. I, I just hated the idea. Fuck it, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And 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 then I'm like, well, there's no way I'm going to carry a hay bale. Think about how many calories I would spend before the race even started. I don't think I could ever make up for that. That's where I was at that place in my life. Right. right. Yeah. I'd never, and man, I'd be so far behind on time. I could never ever come up that deficit. And I was like, so, well, well, interestingly, as a triathlete, I had to shave my legs all the time and my, and I was used to the whole thing. And I, and I really liked, um, as a kid growing up, Pink Floyd, the wall. Yeah. There's a couple of, this, he shaves off all his eyebrows and his, and his hair. Yeah. And it's just weird, freaky, no body hair stuff. I love the band tool, you know, and, and, I was like, I just embraced it. So I yeah. showed up to the death race to set the scene with no body hair, no no hair on my whole body. I went into the white barn, and it got documented for one of the, you know, I remember Spartan TV. Spartan oh yeah, race. yeah. You know, and it was that 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 was documented there. And then sixty minutes, sixty minutes ran a three or four second clip of me walking by, and it's just this freaky eyebrowless. Dude, walking by, tasty white. <laughs> uh, so that that's that was heading going in, and and this is the year that that Hobie is trying to win a million dollars. Oh yes, um, I that. So to that and to that point, it was important that this was a race because at that period, Spartan, that we were we were really distinguishing between mud run and and a, a timed event. Mm-hmm. And so for that year, the death race with the big prize purse for, and to, to help any listeners catch up, uh, Joe had said if, if, if Toby can win every race and the death race, he would get a million dollars or a hundred. Well, it was a lot. It was like right? $100,000. Like $100,000. $100, $100, yeah, I don't yeah. want to help. Uh, it was a good amount of cash. Mm-hmm. It sort of wasn't sitting around available. And... And so the, the death race needed to be like a fair referee because you couldn't have that contested that it wasn't fair. So I remember thinking that it was kind of like that. So Hobie's there in town and I like waited for the last minute to get my gear together. And, and um, that's the scene. That's the scene. Yeah. So. And so uh, you get. You get to this first death race, and I mean, what are some of the what are some of the more interesting things that they make you do out there? You know, so so this was the first time. You know, there was there was there was burpee, there was wood and burpees for the first uh, forever. <laughs> <laughs> just hours. <laughs> just just just. Just hour, and they were they were done in alter. It was that kind of busy period um, where they were just they were just trying to eliminate people in the first uh, eight hours between alternating between logs and chopping wood and burpees, I believe. And uh, that was just a brand new thing for me to do, and in, 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 in the idea that I was going to be doing it for a long period of time, just I never had. I had prepared for it, so I got through it. But it was it was just it was just interesting because it was cold. I remember that it was wet, and it was late into the night. It's just how it's supposed to be, right? It was death right. Race. <laughs> I, I think if I remember right, it, it rained a lot. That like death race, right? It just didn't really I slow up on you guys. Yeah, it was relentless bad weather. Uh, yeah. started, we started that night on Friday, and it was cold and wet, and I had this like clunky, heavy bag and but i just remember getting through it all right while being really surprised at how well because i hate doing burpees yeah just just don't like it especially after uh, how long we worked for spartan i think both of you and i probably we both have a little bit of a hate for burpees at this point yeah yeah yeah. it's just a real authentically branded hate and everybody don't like them so i could joke about it because i hate them uh, but that was, that was, you know, it, this was pre-hurricane heat. So this is what 
what a hurricane heat was too before hurricane heat became one where you had a group of right. people backpacks working on tacks in small groups and i was really trying to get and they, that was i think i think pack was there and there was a lot of a lot of speedy people and and people were trying the gaming started then about trying to conserve energy and right if you have people trying to dog it in a group right um you know that was there, but I think it was my 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 general vibe about it was it was done in a way that everybody there was observed, and you really couldn't you could just you could just conserve energy and work steady. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was like the most challenging thing they made you do during this 2011 race? Okay. So 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 let's let's let the listeners know first off. I don't I didn't finish that year. Right. I didn't finish any. I never finished the death race. Right. So so I don't know the whole race. I don't know. I don't want to contradict anybody that did that year. I hope you probably had people on your show who did that year and give a play by play that is much longer than mine. (laughs) Uh, So mine is the first 24 hours of that year. Right on. And so this is my first time I had done Ironman. I had done, you know, a. 12 hours i had i had a long iron man for me was was 13 and a half and um doing jumping up to 24 was 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 pretty significant for me so but in that that period <laughs> i think this is my my theory is they didn't want i think joe i think joe decker was there yeah decker was there that year decker was there and so we want, you know, the race wasn't built for Hoke, for Hobie call type body types. And right. my body is much more a Hobie call. I, I, if I was going to have any chance at doing the death race, I was going to, it was going to be, I was praying for a hundred mile or a weekend, you know, right. of, with not a lot of weight to be carried. And I, I would be fine. But Decker's there. There's a lot of big people there, and it's carrying around a log, this big um, beam. And and what happened was the first event with with wood chopping. When you got to like station five, after you chopped wood, you picked up a log that became your friend for a while. You had to carry this this you know four foot log and. All the big people who were ahead of me grabbed the smaller freaking logs. And everybody, and I was behind and I'm slow and I'm struggling because I'm a smaller person. And then I'm handed that the only log left was was almost double what Joe Decker was carrying around that whole day. Oh, (laughs) man. And um, and then there was some poor, unfortunate, smaller people behind me that I saw, you know, get, get even bigger bigger logs uh and that to me was very 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 difficult because i estimate you know i I weighed a buck 65 a buck 70 at the time and how much was i carrying by 80 pounds you know i don't know my gear my gear was was 20 i was a big log i should have weighed it yeah yeah Um, i mean your pack is probably 30 40 pounds easily you know and then you throw on this log and so I had never spent significant time um, lugging stuff around like that. And, you know, it, this, I, my, my story of where, the, where I think the death race ended for me involved that carrying that log in the woods. It, it was where I was where I opted out. And with the death race where it's revealing was... was, was what was the cabin up in the uh, uh, woods? The church cabin at the top, or the, no, or the no. lower one? No, across the street on the mm. uh, other side of 100. Um, oh, I forget the, the the owner of it, his name, but there, we'd go out to a cabin across the street, uh, Rogers, mm-hmm. Rogers' cabin, and we, we're carrying carrying the logs, and it's probably. A section of trail that's that's three or four miles, you know, where they have you out of sight from people. They just have you, Andy and Joe style trails, kind of back backpacking, bushwhacking, all over 
a mountain in the middle of nowhere carrying this log that weighs just way too much. And I'm slipping because it was that rainy year and I'm sliding and I'm falling and I haven't slept in 24 hours and, and I'm trying to walk this two or three mile stretch out in the woods alone. And I just keep falling and I keep slipping. And every time I fall, I just kind of face plant and the log, which is held up over my head is falling on my head. And it's, it's just brutal. And I'm like, and I can't handle it anymore. And I'm like, this is fucked up. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I don't have medical insurance right now. I don't have medical insurance. And I keep falling and nearly dropping a log on my head. And this is interesting because when you do triathlon and you want to have your suffer fest montage of you crawling towards the finish line, you've got medics standing. You're getting to do the whole thing in front of the cameras, and, but you have the medics and everybody. You have this tear-jerking moment, and that's what we all signed up for, right? Well, I was just out in the woods alone. And, and what I want to talk to your listeners about all my observations of the death race of those years, those early years, is you really could have died. Yeah. Was, you really could have died if, if you didn't tap out. Like the race was structured in a way that you were in these chokehold moments where you, and for me, everybody's like, oh, you just got to push through. You just got to, there's the David Goggins approach. And I should have just kept slamming my head down and having, and, and having this log keep hitting my head. But I realized I was like, oh, this, this event is not, it's not really made for that. I have to either just like stop or figure this out. And I guess that's where I knew I wasn't in the finisher mindset that I hear about a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think I can get there and I think there's a way for me to get there. But for that year, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, I can't, I can't, I should have just dragged it on out or whatever, but I was so far behind and there were cutoffs too. I think I was getting pretty close to when I would be allowed to just stay out there schlepping my log around, you know, one right. at a time. But that was, it took me a couple of hours to come to the conclusion that I was done just, just alone. Just, I just remember mud and I kept falling and this log was just hitting me in the head. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's risky. You don't have health insurance. So I mean, that's, 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 that's a risk. That's a huge risk, right? Like if, if you have health insurance and you get hurt, cool, I can go to the hospital. I can get, you know, help and it'll be okay. If I get hurt out here, this could be financially devastating. You just, well, it's just those questions you're starting to have. Like, and what am I, and, and, and getting very real to yourself about what am I doing? I want to, I want to prove something. I want to, I want to get somewhere. Um, but then there's also like, oh, man, I, I, I really could use the rest of this weekend to just, just chill out as opposed to, you know, anybody, I'm here, I think I want to be here on your podcast to give a little voice to the people who quote-unquote lost it or didn't understand it or weren't able to beat it because I have nothing but admiration for people that can, like, can beat the death race. Yeah. I wasn't one of them. I never could see my way to the to the to the finish line. Yeah. I think it's, I think it is. I think it was that year went on. They went on for another. I didn't have to go on for another 24 hours of, of that. I believe they were wrapped up by like 40, 48, 50. Yeah, I believe I, that's what I remember hearing for that one. Right. And so we, either that way. Um, I, I was a year after, but I've heard so many stories about about the 2011 one that I feel like I've got. I feel like I've been there now. <laughs> you got the historian's point of view on this. Yeah. And so um, what are some of the, I guess, things that you wanted to share with the audience and the listeners about about this? Yeah. For me, it was cultural. It was like I had to figure out what I was doing there and, and what I was looking for in a race. Um, and I was looking for some kind of alternative to uh Ironman at a competitive venue, but I couldn't figure out how to hack that 
that quagmire that was the death race that year. And I think that year was the most favorable for my racer mindset. Didn't have to get into the 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 Zen the Zen state that might be needed to get through other years. Right, uh, right. But fail, you know, failing it and then watching it. I watched a lot of years, and I, and I get it. It was this evolving. For me, it's 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 an event, and it's countercultural. It's a cultural countercultural event, and we all need to figure out our relationship to it. And it's there to be utilized for whatever our our individual stories or purposes or causes are for, and. You know, for me, it was part of 2000, early 2000 teens was was when CrossFit was just kind of starting. Spartan was really just kind of starting. There was there was mud runs. It was we were done with what was what was Ironman or marathoning. And it was a big change culturally. And the death race was the was the farthest extreme example of it that you could find in the world at that time, in my opinion. Yeah. You you could have you could have the you there's a couple of ultra cycling events, 500 plus miles that I would just say just are, are comparable. There's race across America. Um, there's you know there were eco challenges and stuff like that, which which were but. Um, yeah, it was it was a playground of such. It was really just it was it was like an amusement park for people that have a certain certain <laughs> interests, you know, to explore. Yeah. Explore and I I saw I in my twenty four hours I went through past so many points of exhaustion and, and no return where I learned how I could keep going, you know, and then I I learned that a, a bunch of times until. I just let go of that process for the weekend. Right, but, right. You know, I, I can't. Do I recommend it? To, I've never, I've never recommended a death race to somebody. <laughs> I've recommended a death race to somebody. Uh, I don't think that means that it's a bad thing. I just think for me, it's it was like, I. But I think now I would. I think. This year, what I never I'm never going to do it again. But I think I understand it better after having seen this many. You know, is there is there is there one in the works? Come like what's on the there, horizon? There was a death race supposed to be this year. They pushed it back till I think like I think it was supposed to be like this weekend or something. But then of course you know with COVID it got canceled right. completely. So I'm I'm certain it's coming back in 2021 from everything I've heard. Um, so yeah, there will be another one. Yeah, I I I I mean, should, should somebody check that out? I, 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 you know, just just know what you're getting into. Why would you Why would you recommend it to someone now, whereas before you may not have? Right, because because the pendulum had had you know i would say i feel like looking at 2010 to 2020 we saw a pendulum swing mm-hmm. well we saw the spectrum now we can look back and see what the spectrum was yeah different events and companies and brands putting together experiences for a consumer body who were out there looking to adventure and we saw that manifest as a spectrum of danger. Yes. <laughs> as a spectrum of um, endurance skills, of, of survival skills. And it was, it was generated in real time. Only now are we looking back at it and looking at the sweet spots. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. <laughs> And I would say, haven't seen it all shake. I I wouldn't have recommended it because I wouldn't want you to be there the year somebody died. Right. I just wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want you to go there because that would be the year that somebody really got hurt and it became a real negative. And and, and that's 
that's you know did the death rate scare me always scared me yeah and as a spectator watching it it always scared me and if that's what you were that's what i found out there was hey if you were looking to stare death in the face and and push yourself to the extreme and run into the ground until you know until they drag you out yeah that was available for you there yeah you get a one-way ticket to the, to the, to the emergency room. Um, it's amazing, too. Like, if you look back, we never had anything <laughs> too bad, thankfully, happen. No, that's, that's the thing, is, is I, I never did it again because I'm a stubborn person. And there's, there's being stubborn, and then there's knowing you're stubborn, and there's not wanting to get killed because you're stubborn and you know that you're just in a losing situation. Sometimes you got to remove yourself from a losing situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I learned at that race. And I think that's what the death race is supposed to teach you. And you know what? You learn a lot from the humility of bowing out and the humility of, I haven't talked about it in all these years, like being, a, being a person who didn't finish, you're, you're suddenly in a different cast or a different mm. thing. But, but I think 2020 is a time for us to really reflect at, at what happened for a decade. And now, now I bet you if the death race is cooking, it's, it's going to be through a new lens. And I, I would want, I would recommend it because I want someone to tell me what it was like. I still don't think I would do it. <laughs> That's fair. The Legend of the Death Race podcast is brought to you by Trail Toes, the best anti-blister, anti-chafing cream there is. Trail Toes prevented me from having any blisters after 66 hours at the 2014 Death Race and continues to prevent blisters on all my mountain adventures. Get your jar of Trail Toes today. Use the code THELEGEND on trailtoes.com for 10% off your purchase. And don't forget to visit the Legend of the Death Race shop where you can grab a Memento Mori t-shirt or poster as a reminder to live your best life. Just visit legendofthedeathrace.com slash shop. Um, during your 24 hours, what were you eating to sustain yourself? Was I... Was I it more of like your Ironman style triathlon like food? I eating gel. I had a lot of gels, yeah. yeah. It, was, it, it was... It was... I was insufficiently nourished is what yeah. I would say is I was trying to be too active my heart rate I remember wearing a heart rate monitor and yeah. until, it, until it wouldn't get a signal because I was just like, you know, too dis, disheveled and wet and cold. <laughs> it just wouldn't. Re- and my heart rate was really high and I knew I was burning more calories than I was eating and I didn't carry a lot of and I and I also didn't have food readily available you know so i had to dig around for it so i was left with these moments to try to gorge myself as okay. to, you know i wasn't grazing properly and, and it was uh it was cold and wet and nauseous you know good old endurance event you get out just cold that's my that's what was it like that whole year <laughs> first two years working for spartan in the barn it was just cold and wet and nauseous <laughs> It's great. It's great. Um, looking through the lens of like all the experience you've had and, and, and then now working for Inside Tracker too, how would you tweak um, food as it pertains to something like the death race? Yeah. So the death race and, and these events was the first thing Joe, when Joe was helping me get ready for it and Andy too, it was just get bigger, get more, get more meat on your bones. I, being a triathlete, I, it was all about getting low body fat. And, and you didn't want to carry anything extra. You wanted to be lean and mean. Um, I just I just kept getting told that, and I didn't understand it. And I, I wished I had just eaten a lot more and lifted a lot more. Um, and I didn't, and so, so eating nutrition-wise to be, to be in that, that place of, of plenty, where, where you have those, those, those extra, stores of of sufficient energy on your on your bones yeah so you just bulked up more beforehand oh i would have yeah and i did i even i did a a good amount but just not enough not for that year that that year you wanted to be uh just 
just a machine. You wanted to be Joe Decker. Yeah. That's what I you mean, wanted to do that, yeah. you, you wanted some meat on the muscles for sure. And Decker, <laughs> Decker, he had it. <laughs> yeah, it was cold. It was just, it was, it was, it was, it was not a Holby call kind of. And, and I remember watching, I remember that year watching him and how tough he was and how hard he worked and just knowing when the race isn't yours because it's just, you just, you're not made for it. Yeah. So how do you, um, how do you handle the controlled chaos of the death race? Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't. don't. That's why the, the controlled chaos of it, or I would call it the uncontrolled chaos of yeah. it. My opinion, it was uncontrolled chaos, controlled, uncontrolled chaos. And, uh, I, uh, I didn't like it. It made me nervous. Always made me nervous. That's Joe's specialty. And it was so genuine and so legit. Things were, were kind of on edge. And that was my inability to handle that. This is nice. This is nice. That is what knowing about that now, that is the crux of the, it's not a physical capacity that you Mm -hmm. death race more so than the ability to handle um, a chaos. Yeah. My worst nightmare, like what makes me uncomfortable in this universe is, is chaotic, uncontrollable things. Right. That's like death race is just, that's all it is. Yeah. 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 That's, and, and, but but that's what, and, and why would I recommend it to somebody? Because that's, you know, that's the, this, the death race is what life is really about. It's what the, the, the messaging you keep getting, but it really, in a certain ways it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is chaotic. And, and I learned, I learned in the last 10 years, life is chaotic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> what would um, if you were to, if you were to go back, um, what would be like the three most essential pieces of gear that you would bring? Yeah, I would have ah uh, some some killer bungee cords. Mm, bungee cords. We haven't heard that one, and I'm surprised because that is definitely yeah. a good piece of gear. I think maybe some years it's on the list. I don't know if it was on the list or I know if I had them, I didn't have sufficient, the ones I would want. Okay. I, I could tell you carrying that log around, you know, getting it bound to you. And, and, and so if you suspect for the death race, you had to lug something around, I would say bungee cords or rope. I didn't have yeah. sufficient. Yeah. Those are both good, good pieces of equipment to have anything else. And it's, so he asked for three, right? So that, that's one I would I would have. Um, let's see. I, calorically, I would have I would have some more comfort food, you know, yeah. something like like a, like some kind of Hostess cupcake style oh, thing. Yeah. I would, oh, I would yeah. have some more. I would have brought some more psychologically um, comforting because you know what what I've learned since doing that race and other ultra events is sitting down and having a Coke or, or whatever it is, is, or is your thing and really taking a half hour if you need it, you know, yeah. uh, and eating, eating something that warms your heart <laughs> is well worth your time. And I didn't yeah. know that trick. I didn't know that trick at that point. Yeah. So. Well, and it sounds like back then you were kind of more of the, you know, trying to get that dialed perfect, right? It's like everything, right. Just everything like an Iron Man would is you get that like calculated nutrition, which just doesn't really work for this. It, it does. So, right. That was, that was back then I had it in my mind that I would be burning X, you know, an Iron Man essentially, as you know, between points A and B during a duration of time, you're trying to burn calories at a sustainable rate. Yeah. While you propel your body forward. Right. It's like, it's pretty straightforward. You can calculate it. Yeah. You can calculate it. And I just had brought that mindset to this race, and that was that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and, and those happy foods, I mean, man, they make such a difference. Yeah, they really do. You have like a, a Hostess cupcake or some Skittles or some Mountain Dew or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, or a beer, like, a beer, beer. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I had a I beer during one of my races, even, and it was like, yeah, this yeah. is a beer I would never drink, but this is really good right now. 
Right. Like I I remember because like so that was legal in a USAT triathlon event, right? And I and I didn't know what would happen. So when I I never did that. That so the, my remind to you is check with the race director and see if it's okay for you to have a beer. And if it's a trail event, it's very probable that there is no sanctioning bodies that are going to come down on anybody for having a beer in True. your in your bag. And I would recommend that. That'll it hydrates you, it numbs the pain a little bit, um, and it has carbs. It's carbonated. Yeah. What what a, what a delightful thing. To it's have. so great. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> uh, so okay, so I, that's two, and then number three. Yeah. Um, I would bring um, I'd bring you probably heard this before I would just have more socks yeah socks socks I would have I would have socks inside a Ziploc two Ziploc bags and then I would have another pair of socks inside another you know I would just have how many extra pairs I would have one more pair because Mm -hmm. Part of that psychological thing is I've lost a lot of races where I just couldn't finish because of my feet. And if if the log that I was carrying around hadn't beat me, I'm sure my feet would have in a right. wet race. My feet were trashed by the end. Were were, were terrible, right? So oh, yeah. another 24 hours, and I didn't have more socks in my bag. This was the year. So this was the year I had to go walking down the river. Okay. River walk. Right, I, that was what I haven't talked about. Right? That was a crazy, another one of those experiences where I'm carrying this log. I'm like, oh, this is a great way to drown. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, fall, you trip, fall, you got those logs. Yeah. That was the death. And and looking back at it, you know, that was that was that was the most fun though. Walking that taught me about walk down a river just in the middle of it if you go into the woods because you can. Mm-hmm. And if it's not flowing too bad, and you can walk down it, that's going to be the easiest. You're going to find you're going to find where you're going easiest if you're following a river. Exactly. That, that and around this time, that period is when I started really going off trail, and, and the death race gives you that confidence. And that's and that's so. So we'll, another a third thing is is the socks. Uh, a fourth thing would be topological map of the area that you spent time getting to really know. Yeah, yeah, and it makes sure that you know how to read the map, of course. Right, <laughs> it goes yeah, without saying. Right, right, but, right. but yeah, if you know the area, then it's it's a little bit easier because there's no they don't tell you which way to go. They really you just gotta get. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I say it's just yeah. I would that 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 that's my recommendations for any kind of a right uh, event like this. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. Um, and so going into this event, where does the courage come from to do something like? The death race. Courage comes from having to know that it's going to hurt and still do it. And the courage comes from assigning to yourself a value on having completed what this this thing you want to do. That is, that is, you know, what is beyond delayed gratification is delayed. Um, you know, reduction of pain <laughs> and you, you know that you're going to be in a bad place and it's going to hurt. And so where do you find the courage to maintain uh, your ability to withstand pain is what I, is the question I think I, I could try to answer because because that's for me where the courage, courage comes and it has to come from wanting to step outside the traditional paradigm of of what you're what you're used to, what the culture around you talks about, or what you were raised to do, or what you're taught, more particularly what commercial commercialized world tells you to do, which right. is, which is be comfortable and experience pleasure. And life, generally, when you look around about what you're sold, life is about dressing your needs so that you can just have you know pleasure chemicals in your brain from having your needs met and whatever's prompting you to 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 not and you know generally being well fed warm 
and hydrated and not exhausted fall into that bucket of being comfortable and happy. It's what you're supposed to value. And the death race is not about that. You're not going to get very far if, if that's what you're obsessed with. And so you, you're invited to step outside um, the normal paradigm into kind of the role of an adventurer or the, the and, and that courage is by channeling that. Um, for me, that's where purpose comes from, is I have, I have something to resolve myself towards, even if it was like kind of created. Ultimately, um, we have to be emotionally connected to the end and the courage, you know, I draw myself from that. The courage comes from there towards, towards that feeling I'm looking for. I like that. Um, you mentioned, you know, how we have to want to go basically chase pain um, to want to go do something like this and how normally we are all looking for those comforts and looking for, you know, what can I go watch on Netflix tonight? Or, you know, where can I go get myself a fast food or, you know, a quick coffee or whatever? Um, we look for comforts more than we do look for pain. What do you think drives people like you and me to go look for this? Because that the fact that you need, you know, you need courage to, to do that is, is maybe what we're, what, what we're looking for uh, in doing it. The fact that, that there is a way of existing that asks you, that asks that of you. Because in my opinion, you can get by pretty much in life, in, in, in contemporary society, without too much being asked from you in the realm of like intestinal fortitude. Mm-hmm. They're not like, like there's all kinds of things that have, we have to deal with death. We have to deal with uh, job loss. We have to deal with all sorts of things that make you grind and, and, and where real heart and soul character comes from. But life isn't going to afford you the opportunity to get the visceral experience of, you know, that 10,000 years ago would happen if you were being chased by a mountain lion and needed to wrestle it and then run, run home. Uh, we're not afforded the opportunity to exist in that in that way of the adventure of Conan the Barbarian style weekending, and that's that's that that's what we want is we want to step outside the mundane. This is what I do to survive. What do what do you do? What do you do to survive? You 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 follow. You're compliant to certain hierarchies of power so that you get paid at the end of the week. And you take your time and subjugate it to making those things happen. That, did, did, it, did it mean that you needed to like like go blazing through the woods to go find your food? And like that that's a cool way of being alive. To mm-hmm. do. And you know what? When I was out in the woods, two miles from the road, and the fallen hit my head, and I'm afraid I'm going to go to the hospital. Like like. There's all sorts of brain chemicals and stuff happening of actually existing in that moment where it's not like, what kind of vocal noises do I have to make towards somebody so that I can get what I want? Or, or what, what, what letters do I need to type in an email so that I can get what, <laughs> what I want? Like, we're, we're, cha- we're chasing this, this kind of, uh, there's the dance and shuffle of life that involves formalities and then there's the dance's shuffle of not dying in a raw animal environment yeah um sometimes and i don't we don't i don't want to live there because i like creature comforts and i want to i want to sit in this cocoon of 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 self-sustaining um life where i get improve my lot uh day over day and i don't experience too much discomfort and but it usually comes from things other than my ability to chop firewood to get ahead in that world. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just, it, and chopping. And, and then what's weird is like that being that person who goes out and chops firewood is something you have to make time for outside of actually getting ahead in life. Right. But the death race is a time where chopping firewood gets you ahead in the race in, in, and living 
you're living and, and, and you know what you are living because you're not freaking dying or you're quitting. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a really nice, nice thing to do. And, and that's, I think I'm a little older now too than when I did it. And maybe I've been a little bit more domesticated in recent years to understand how important it is to step outside the lines that, you know, that are giving you your best life. You're doing so much more and and life is really good. But, you know, sometimes you just want to be a human animal stomping through the woods, moving stuff. And people want more of an explanation than that. And I I, I actually just think you do it in injustice. It's pre-lingual for me. It's just pre-lingual. It's just being out in the woods empty you know insert don't insert the same thing just let it let it be and the death race does allow that um in the nonsense and and in the chaos um so that's that's why i think some people are drawn to it and and we don't even have the words for it a lot like what i just said sounds really weird but we give us access to like that being our primal self right Right. Like we have Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right. Like most of us aren't sitting there worried about shelter, worried about these things because we have all the creature comforts. But when you go and do the death race, you're placed at the bottom of that pyramid of the, the, the that hierarchy of needs. And you're looking for those bottom things. You just want to have safety. You just want to have food. You just want to have like the, your basic, basic needs. You don't give a shit about anything else. Oh. No, and that's that's at a certain point that became a luxury item. Mm-hmm. That had to become. How do you get to do that? You have to pay for your travel to get to Pittsfield, Vermont. You have to pay for all your gear to participate in some kind of structured outdoor act group activity, mm-hmm. you know, experience. And that's because. As a culture in 2010, we were so far removed. That's what Joe DeSena brought to people like you and me. Yeah. Was, was, was There's a certain kind of dawning sense on us now as we get older of, hey, you don't really need the group activity to allow you to do that in the woods. Right. There's no, there's no other. But, but that's a perspective gained through the, the structures that allowed us to gain access absolutely i mean i don't think i would be doing the things i do now had it not been for this structured thing that we found you know in the early 2010s and yeah it was and it was that's what that's what the magic and that's that's why i feel like it's such a success even if you lose if you can walk away from it saying hey that was a cool experience and it wasn't it wasn't for me (laughs) (laughs) so yeah like what what wisdom did you gain from the death race like what is is it is that it is i learned i learned that i i learned about myself some wisdom i don't want to tell anybody out there what what like something as absolute but for me i like structure in my competitive activities yeah. <laughs> i like i like i like if i'm in my hobby and i want to know you know what i would call recreational activities you know i think i think that in the 20 teens, a lot of us were on the fence over, could we be professional athletes or could we do this competitively or, 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 you know, so for my race myself, that's when I still thought maybe I had the ability to race triathlon in a semi-pro capacity and, mm-hmm. you know, or ultra, because I just didn't know how it would go. I've since learned that I am just do not, I just do not see that in my future. Right. But the, the seriousness with which I took everything was uncalled for. That's the wisdom. Yeah. yourself. The seriousness with which you approached everything was uncalled for. It wasn't inappropriate, inappropriate maybe. And it might have been useful, but it wasn't called for. Mm. It's interesting. It's interesting. Um, and so... We already know your answer. You're not going to do the race again. And I think that's a wise decision based on the discussion we've had. You know that this isn't the type of event for you. So good to go. But what else is out there that that you're doing now? What are, what are your goals now? 
So what what I found out from the death race that that still still do is that I like to run between thirty and fifty miles. Yeah, and then stop. <laughs> yeah. And I don't like that. I don't like to carry a lot of stuff when I do it. But I do yeah. like so. So for me to take my favorite points to the death race, it's it's a really, I like a really rough trail run. <laughs> And so I, I put that on the future for me is, is a very kind of, you know, 30 mile or a 50 K to a 50 miler. I got and a 50 then, miler. I would invite you to. Yeah. Which one? Mount Baker ultra. Okay. We yeah, start when is the, it? It's next May. Uh, I think it's like the end of the month or maybe it's the beginning of June. It's somewhere around there, but it's, uh, you start in this little town of concrete, Washington, um, up North. And you run to the false summit of Mount Baker, which is uh, Sherman Peak, and then you run back to the to the town of Concrete. It's about 54 miles round trip, uh, with I think almost 10,000 plus gain. Oh, uh, that sounds incredible! <laughs> like, to me, that's a great activity. That's a great yeah. human activity. And they have a it's fixed so- they have a fixed rope, so that way you're you know you just hook on and go. What do you mean a fixed rope? Fixed rope for they, what? They, actually, they actually set up fixed ropes on the, the glacier. Oh, so yeah. The, these, like- yeah, these organizers, they actually set fixed lines so that way you don't have to worry about roping up with a team and all the stuff that you normally oh. would climbing a glacier. Um, you just clip in and go. Very cool. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do next year. So if you want to join me. Yeah, I'd love to do that. I'll give me I'll get, I'll be ready by then if I start now. Right on. I'll send you some information. So nice, good, long trail races. Um, all right. So towards the end of the show, I always like to ask about books. If you were to gift a book to someone that was trying to prepare themselves to do an endurance event or a death race, what would that book or books be? Um, book called Sapiens. And oh, I've um, heard about this one. I haven't read yeah, it. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, it's like an anthropology. It's the history of humans, right? It's an anthropological study of the species of, of human of Homo sapiens, kind of the story, and that for me really paints the picture of of being this animal, this organism whose whose job it is to, is to not die and procreate on this planet. And it, they, that sounds like really nihilistic, but this book didn't make me feel that way because mm-hmm. it just, they told the story about the human organism not dying from one generation to the next. And that is what, if I had to say what you need to figure out with a death race, there's some wisdom in that. And, and that book really goes into um, a lot of, with what's called intersubjective phenomenon. And essentially that is the noise that you make in your head as a human that you call thinking Mm. and, and that we in our language like call things that don't really exist, but are just conventions. And when you, when, when you need the book helped me strip back reality to being a noise making animal standing next to other noise making animals trying not to die and that's such a great perspective if you're doing an ultra event when your psychology is your enemy where you're going to have these elaborate stories about who you are and what this means they're just stories they're intersubjective phenomenon that you are having between other animals making noises and you are a human that should be running and not making noises. You are a human who should just be burning calories as, as you like, because if you were chasing a deer, 50,000, you know, you in an attrition hunt, it was the difference between living or dying. Yeah. And I guess like I learned that perspective from reading this book. Um, I'd recommend that. Safe that's, su- that's super cool. That sounds great. I'm definitely adding that to the must read list. <laughs> Awesome. Well, if there's nothing else, um, is there anywhere that people can look you up if they want to see what you're up to, follow you, etc.? Yeah, just hit me up on Facebook. This is the best place. I just use my name 
you know, you'll find me there. Look me up on Facebook and say hi. Awesome. We will uh, place that there in the show notes so that way people can find you. Jason, it's been awesome catching up and hearing a little bit about your story and how your legend of the death race unfolded. Thank you for being here with us today and sharing it. All right, Tony. Thank you. And stay tuned for more legends from past death racers. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review. This really helps the podcast move up the rankings so we can reach even more humans. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you find you really enjoy what we're doing, consider becoming a sustaining member by clicking the link in the show notes. Just a quick reminder, my legend, the Legend of the Death Race book, is now available. Visit legendofthedeathrace.com slash book to order your copy today. Thank you again for tuning in. If you'd like to stay up to date on my current adventures and training, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Just search the handle at thatenduranceguy or visit thatenduranceguy.com. We'll see you next time on the Legend of the Death Race podcast. Now go create your own legend.